This is the Momentum Podcast. By far, my favorite part of our events is hearing from our members. I love to listen to entrepreneurs who are in momentum, changing the world, and absolutely and totally willing to share exactly how they're doing it and will help anyone around them. If you listen to the first part of this panel, you already know that's exactly what we're hearing here is entrepreneurs who are ready to help anyone. That's just how our membership is. And on this second half of our member panel sharing how they're growing their businesses, I think you're going to get a ton of insight into the process, structure, and routine that really makes businesses grow. I'm Alex Sharfin, and this is the Momentum Podcast, made for empire builders, game changers, trailblazers, shot takers, record breakers, world makers, and creators of all kinds. Those among us who can't turn it off and don't know why anyone would want to. We challenge complacency, destroy apathy, and we are obsessed with creating momentum so we can roll over bureaucracy and make our greatest contribution. Sure, we pay attention to their rules, but only so that we can bend them, break them, then rewrite them around our own will. We don't accept our destiny. We define it. We don't understand defeat because you only lose if you stop and we don't know how. While the rest of the world strives for average and clings desperately to the status quo, we are the minority, the few, who are willing to hallucinate there could be a better future. And instead of just daydreaming of what could be, we endure the vulnerability and exposure it takes to make it real. We are the evolutionary hunters, clearly the most important people in the world, because entrepreneurs are the only source of consistent, positive human evolution, and we always will be. Um, Lars, same questions for you. So, so I know you were in our programs way back in the real estate days, but now, especially with you transitioning out of traction, what would you say are the things that maybe anybody who, some, we do have a bunch of people who come to us from EOS. So what would you recommend to them or what would you just recommend in general to anybody who's on here that like to get started quickly and to get up and running quickly? Yeah. One thing I really appreciate about the way you've laid out all of it and, and you call it a minimum effective dose. Yeah. Like it really is something that I've, I haven't seen in any other program I've been a part of. So it, it just allows you to get into the content and learn a piece of it. And so uh, I, I actually, um, every night when we signed up, every night I would just tell my wife, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go work out. And I would just get on my, my Peloton tread and I would just like walk for like two hours, but I was just consuming your content. And she's like, you're working out for a long time. I'm like, I just want to, you know, I got to get in shape. You know? <laughs> but really, it was honestly just an excuse to really get through as much of it as possible and just really process in my mind the differences between, because, you know, being in traction, like we were deep in traction, implementer, you know, $5,000, $5,500 a day, five times a year type expense. And so getting out of that mindset and really seeing, you know, I wrote down, you know, traction ended at the 90 day. Honestly, the, the, the and it's not good or bad or indifferent. It just ended. And then it just, it was all on me and Stacy. like, okay, I guess we're going to lift these rocks for the next 90 days. And we'd be lifting these rocks in our businesses and, and just seeing like as painful as the OTAs were the first time <laughs> I left that meeting with Stacey, I had the biggest headache. We were like four hours into our first set of OTAs around our 90 day targets. And uh, I'm like, what did we do before? I, I asked Stacy that, like, how did we get to the point where we're a multi-million dollar business and we didn't have like real clear outcomes, like 
super transparent and like this is who's accountable. And then the weekly commitment, like that meeting, the whole team is there eyeball to eyeball. Like this is what we agreed to do. I, I can't do it this week. Can you, can you do this thing for me this week? And it's just, it's just a different. And then the daily huddles, we've, Stacy and I each had real estate teams and we've failed multiple times running daily huddles before. We think they're this like, it, it just, it never landed. And so we both had fear around that. And just to suspend disbelief and just start doing it. And, you know, I have all my scripts and Stacy runs all of it. Um, I don't know where they are right now, but, you know, it's, it's just, it's right there. It's choreographed. And, and we are just going through the motions now. You know, we're only on our like third week of daily huddles and the team is already super engaged. Like they can see the value of it. So, um, and then getting the whole team on the momentum planner, yeah, I think is really, really important. You know, so we're all showing up to that daily huddle. We've already planned our day. And Stacy will say, did everybody do their, you know, have, have they done their, their, their daily plan? And everyone yeah. would just, you know, will either show or will say yes, or we'll admit that we haven't or whatever the, the, the problem was. So. It's just really just different. And, you know, when you when you said, I think it was on a podcast, you said a passenger in your own business. I didn't really, I like the sound of it. I didn't really <laughs> believe it. <laughs> Nobody and, does. <laughs> uh, and, and, and now you can, you can really just see that this thing has a life of its own, you know, and it's not this effort. Like every quarter was this monumental effort for me. And I remember a couple of years ago, I just had a breakdown in my business and we had just gone from one seven to one eight to one nine and on one nine we spent like 1.4 million of expenses and i told the team i'm like i am just so over this like all this effort all these meetings like we're in california somewhere on a two-day event yeah and nothing is getting done and we're not actually moving the business forward and so yeah so it just it, it feels like a, a i can breathe again knowing even though we had to put the reps in I can, I br I'm breathing easier knowing that we're on the, 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 the front end of something that's really going to give us whatever a similar word to traction is. <laughs> momentum, momentum. <laughs> momentum, baby. Uh, yeah. so, so Lars, real quick question. Have you seen any changes or shifts in the behavior or how your team shows up now that they're using the momentum planner? Yeah. And, and well, when you first started asking that question, the first thing that came to our mind is one of our team members has experience with us in traction and I can see her mind going to like traction tendencies, like taking a project that's just for her department or not looking at the business as a business and the five core functions, where does the business? So th that just came to mind. Um, yeah. Most, most of our team members did not have any kind of planning process or any, any way to what, what we've seen is that they are showing up to their daily huddles, ready to talk about where they're winning and what they're grateful for. And you know, who's copying awesome. And we're following the script, like to the script. Yeah. And so uh, I think we had a lot of loyalty in our team. So, and, and Stacy did a good job of building that up where they're willing to trust us. And, and in a short period of time, they're seeing at first they were like, Oh my gosh, that seems like you have 12, you know, quarterly or 90 day targets. And we're just like, let's just get to work on them. You know, let's not judge if it's too much or too little. And we're, we're knocking them out. We're only two months into that. And we're, we've knocked most of them out already. That's awesome. That's yeah. so awesome. Yep. Yeah. Julie just commented too. That's the thing I realized with implementing the daily planners, 
most team members don't have a daily productivity system. We, we make assumptions like, oh, hey, they're good on their side. But, you know, I learned this a long time ago when we implemented the Franklin Planner. We used to use the Franklin Day Planning System. The Momentum Planner was born from me using the Franklin for 14 years and realizing what a complete tactical loop that program keeps you in. That system, that it's incredible at doing the exact same thing every week, every day for months and years at a time, but there's no exit to that every day, every, you know, everything. And so when we created the Momentum Planner, it was really, what can we use from the CEO level all the way through the business to create alignment and to create the same type of progress? So I appreciate the, the feedback, Lars. So Adi, same thing for you. <clears throat> I think that this is really an opportunity for a lot of people because on this panel, you have the smallest team. It's just a two-person team right now, but you've had massive results. That's why we asked you to be on this panel because your results are like really intense. What would you recommend to someone who, who feels like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm towards the beginning of the billionaire code. I'm just getting started here. What should they do first? What did you do to, to have the results you have? You know, so, so here's the thing. I think what you really spoke to that resonated with me so much the first time I heard you speak is, I'm really good at the things I'm good at, right? And I know that. It's been proven to me time and time again. That's easy for me. Put me in a room with somebody who's struggling and thinking of like killing themselves tomorrow and I'll turn them around and by the end of that day, they're excited about what the next week or month is gonna look like. I kill there. But when I, I mean, for me, the process started with reading like a Russell Brunston book and thinking, oh, how am I gonna go online? And you know, I did like WordPress programming back in the day when I needed to do a blog and I've done all this stuff. And so I did the same thing. I jumped into this place where I just learned how to do like, okay, I signed up for ClickFunnels, started doing horribly designed, terrible pages. You said this at TCCX, like the system was there to allow my revenue to grow far beyond what a private practice would be. So I took it to like 100 or 125 with nobody helping. But then I just kept trying to make it grow more and more and more just on my own back. And what I realized was I was starting to hate my own work. Like yeah. I just, I wanted, I was good at it, but I just wanted to leave the business. I couldn't fathom being like, my, my wife was hating where I was going. Like nothing was good. And so I hired help because I don't know if you remember this, but when, one of the first things you said was, uh, if you're asking the question of if you need an EA, then you already need an EA. So I went out, I was barely, and, I said, and if you're, if you keep asking it, you are one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I went out and I didn't, you had, you hadn't done all the training yet. So I didn't know how to hire whatever, but I went and got help and I got a little bit of feeding of what that felt like. And then you did this eight hour training and we started putting systems in place. And the first thing I felt was not more money. The first thing I felt was like, okay, I get to at least show up to my business and not hate what I do every day. Um, it doesn't matter if I'm good at it. If I despise it, I'd rather go get a part-time job somewhere and just at least enjoy my life. And so that was the first thing. But what showed up after when the processes started being put in place was, you know, you, I think we talked about it yesterday, but every time we had to figure out, well, how do I do this thing? We had to sit down, we had to put a process in place to go, okay, well, how does that happen? And it's a pain in the butt. And and um, it would take me months. Like we have our accountability coach, which is essentially our customer service rep for our, uh, our signups. It took me probably three months to come up with, okay, what's an onboarding call like? Like when somebody first signs up, because my people are struggling. Like when somebody first finds me, 
they're not trying to make more money. They're not looking to travel. They're not looking to like get better at selling real estate. They're at their last, like if, if this doesn't help them. Yeah. And so it needs to be a really sensitive call. And so I trained this person who's doing amazingly well now on this, like literally decision tree. Like if they say this, what do we say in a script? Something I never thought that I would do, but you told me we were sitting one day and I, and I said to you, well, these are the things I have to do. And one of the things was I have to do the group coaching and I have to do the one-on-one coaching. And I remember it was, I don't know, there were like 400 people at the two comic club X event or something like that. You looked at me, you're like, really? And I couldn't, we almost like fought about it. It was like a five minute discussion where I was like, no, no, no. I have to be the one that does the coaching. Nobody else can coach. That's why I started this company. And you looked at me and you kind of said like, well, cool, but then your business isn't going to grow. You're going to be the, the guy who does the coaching. And I fought with myself for, oh, I don't know, a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks before I went, wow, I have to complete, I don't even, it's not even about hiring people into the business. I have to change the concept of what my business is. Yes. Because if I'm going to be the guy in front of all the groups, I'm either going to go back to hating my business or I'm going to figure out how to train other people. And so we put in place a, uh, our first training program for coaches and it was Oh my God. It was held together with duct tape, man. It was insane. But I got my first two coaches out of it. Uh, they even paid for their own training. So I got my first two coaches and it allowed me for the first time to take like a 20% step back from coaching. And now we're iterating that again, and we're going to bring in five to 10 more people into coaching and kind of like slowly allow me to build the business I wanted instead of having a fancy pretend online private practice. So it's funny that you say that the growth has been incredible because what I came out of the morning session was where at is a builder. I think we're a builder, but like we mm-hmm. just crossed into builder. Yeah. But I already found two or three things that we haven't put in place from the earlier systems. And I couldn't figure out why we're not having the growth that I expected us to have. And when you said, Hey, you got to look to the left and what have you not completed? And not only for me, but my operator, there's some things that we need to put in place for her to have the opportunity to grow because I feel like when we nail a couple of these little things now, we'll very quickly move to the top of builder instead of just having etched through it. And I think that's why it feels to me like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I hate online summits. I wouldn't, I don't log into online summits, but I knew when this thing started, I'm like, there are, there are very small incremental changes that I need to make in my business and I don't know how to make them. That's uh, what did you put in the process? I'm in definitely, I'm in conscious incompetence. Um, <laughs> and, and at least I know that I'm in conscious incompetence, right? At least I'm not in the first step, but I'm not a business operator. I've never been one. That's not where my, my power is. And so you, first of all, gave me the freedom to do that. And then secondly, what I notice is that I put small pieces of the puzzle. I already got this amazing growth. And Deanna knows this. When I came on, I said, oh, we're, I only, I implemented everything based on that eight hour training. I had no other training from you. And, um, and when we joined, I was like, oh, wow, we're, we're, we did like 40% of the stuff. We barely even started touching it. So I'm really excited for what'll happen when we actually, um, go back and start implementing each one of the pieces to the real extent that you get in this program instead of what I got before. 
So there was a question about what was this eight hour training? So here's what it was. I, you know, Russell, a few years ago, asked me to be the coach for two comma club X for scaling and productivity. And so I did an eight hour training that was the equivalent of the planning section of strategic direction. And that's it. It basically had from um, client-centric mission all the way down to weekly commitments. And that was basically the only thing. So when, when Adi says he did about 40%, it's about 40% of the base strategic direction call content. It's probably 5% of our actual platform content once you're in grow and scale, maybe 3% of the actual platform content. So I don't want to go too longer because we're already running over. These panels always run over. And it's because like they're my favorite. And I would rather listen to, to, to our members than listen to me. Um, I want to give you guys like a question that we can close this on. Well, first, first I want to, I just want to, I want to get a reaction from all four of you. So one of the things that I tell people all the time is you're not a unicorn. And we even had stickers made this time so that you can stick it on your forehead and we'll make them backwards next time. So you can see it in the mirror because, and I'm like, I want it tattooed on the inside of my wrist. You're not a unicorn because here's this belief we have as, as entrepreneurs. We're so different. We're so special. We're so unique that it's going to be really hard for us to get help where we really need it. And one of the things that we talk about in this, con this, this program always is the day you think you're a unicorn is the day you stop growing. The day you think you're better than everybody else is the day you stop growing. The day you think you're the only one who can do it is the day you have created as much entrepreneurial constraint as you possibly can. So just open question to all four of you, anyone who wants to answer, what is something that you've given up since being in this program? What's something that you've delegated or given responsibility to somebody else that you just didn't think you would? And, and like, what, what, you know, what, what part of your unicornness have you give, given up since you got into the program? Finances. Let's hear I it, never, Megan. I never thought that I'd give up the control of the, of the finances because it was always something managed by us. Yeah. And we just handed that off in the last two weeks. And it feels so liberating and free to let somebody who's classically trained to do that um, yeah. and to make decisions on budgets and to make decisions that, I was doing because I was a leader or because I saw the vision, um, I never thought I'd hand that up, hand that over. And now it's a huge time back. Yeah. Is it just time, Megan? It's, it's also energy and emotion and the stress of the little things. When we look at the big picture, then it uh, takes me out of that panic mode as well. And it yeah. reduces the noise. It, uh, it reduces the amount of things that I'm nitpicking. Um, where did this money go? Why does this why did we test out this new software when we've got this other one that does the same thing, right? And it yeah. allows uh, the operations team to have a little bit more freedom and flexibility without uh, me bearing down. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's it's such a good, I love the finance handoff because here's what a lot of entrepreneurs find with the finance handoff. Just in handing off finance, the tactical pain in the business goes down by about half because it's that whole financial management process where you almost relive every decision you've made three or four times. Is that, is that fair, Megan? For sure. Awesome. All right. Who else? Who else has, has one out of the three that are left? I would say um, just uh, trusting Stacy with running the entire cadence. Yeah. You know, just getting really clear that uh, this, this passenger in your business, you know, uh, and just hearing you talk about how, like, we think we're doing good in the business and we think when we chime in, we think when we, you know, take something and, and do it ourselves, we think we're doing good and we're helping and we're not. Yeah. And just trusting that, just trusting our people more and more and really just developing that, that relationship with Stacy, my operator, and, and just letting her run this thing. 
And uh, that, that to me has been the biggest weight. Like I just carry like financially, I'm good health, my physical health. I've got a great family. I just carry this heavy, heavy weight all the freaking time, no matter how much money I have in the bank, no matter how many vacations I take. And just in the last few months, I, I, I'm feeling that weight, even with COVID a little bit, just dissipating, That's you know, awesome. and just knowing that now Stacy. Well, now she has a lot on her plate. So the session with Haley was super powerful. Like, I didn't know if she was on when it started. I'm like, you got to get on, get on right now. <laughs> um, so I think there's even power in that because we've got someone in our business that is going to be able to be her right-hand person and sort of like my my EA, that that triangle that you guys talked about. So just, just the weight of her carrying the cadence, loving on the team, seeing where the blind spots are is, has been the, the biggest shift. I love that. It's such a big deal. And and what I heard, like here's my like I, I always listen to what entrepreneurs are saying, and it translates into my language in my head. Cause here's what I heard is that there's this massive weight of pressure and noise that's been relieved. And here's what I know for entrepreneurs. When we get that that background noise, that weight you've been carrying around, that pressure on your shoulders, when that starts to dissipate, creativity goes through the roof. And the ability to check in on the business goes through the roof. And here's what's crazy. Even for those of you who don't believe you can, your ability to build relationships with the people around you completely transforms. Have you felt any of that, Lars? Yeah, and just just realizing, and some of this is just hearing you talk through the podcast as well. Um, you know, nobody really teaches like this, this transformational leadership. I mean, I, I haven't, I'm like 13 years into building businesses and nobody's really taught it to me. And how we undercut our people with this transactional, like give them a bone, they go eat the bone, they come back for another bone. And that's sort of been my style for a long, long time. And even with the, the other system we ran, um, it was the same way. Like I was, I had all the bones and you had to come to me for them. And I don't know if that just made me feel good or, you know, so just, just knowing that, you know, the next step for me is it's really that three to 10, even though we're, you know, two, 2.3. It's really acting like that three to ten, acting that way before we get there, so that my team can step up and 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 fill the gaps. I love that, um, Julie or Adi. Do you want to? Do you have something you want to contribute? Yeah, I mean, I talked about one that was the absolute biggest realization. It happened before I started here. It happened when I got exposed to your stuff. But letting letting go of that notion that I'm the only one who can. Yeah. Um, just that in general allowed me, I mean, that was so suffocating. I, I held on to it like, like it was special, but it was actually just suffocating. It was, if I'm the only one that can do it, then holy, how, how many, how much of this am I going to be able to do? And what, where are we going to be able to go? So that was a big one. And then another one, and I'm, I'll be perfectly honest, I'm getting better at this. I'm not quite there yet, but, um, is stopping micromanaging just letting, I mean, it actually just happened a little bit this morning cause I'm still paying attention to this stuff, but I'm not going to solve it. So like I left a note to our team on customer service cause they're trying to implement a customer service, like a ticketing thing. And instead of my, in, my input was like, it was six o'clock in the morning. I was waking up. I woke up to work out. That's why I woke up that early so I could get in before this, but I saw a customer service thing that hadn't been answered from yesterday. And the, the natural me wants to go in and answer the ticket. I want it. It doesn't matter that I've never met this person and I have no reason answering their customer service ticket because we have a customer service rep. It doesn't matter. Like my inclination is I got to answer this. What I did instead, and I learned it through these processes, is I left a note 
for our customer service person. And then I jumped off to get to the huddle, even though we were in the middle of this, because that was a critical issue for me. And I said, hey, we want to solve all um, tickets within a day. I'm not going to go solve it for you guys, but we have to put a process in place to make. So that was huge for me. Um, Maddie, who's my EA, is so much better at managing people than I am because I'm just that thing where I nothing seems like a win in my head. It Unfortunately, it also translates to the people under me. Mm-hmm. I don't, unless it's like a, a home run, I don't count it as a win. And that makes everybody else feel really bad about the work they do with me. So offloading that to somebody else means I just get to participate in wins and it's a beautiful thing. That's awesome, Adi. And that whole, you know, that, that, that bar that we set for ourselves that's so high, I know this sounds crazy, so crazy. Like I would have, if somebody told me this when I was in my twenties, I would have just left the room and, and like completely discounted any advice I was getting. So I, I'm saying that up front. but here's what's interesting. The more we lower the bar to what we consider a win, the more we actually win. And keeping that bar so high that you keep banging your head into it is not really helping you. And it's not helping your team. Like you lower it so far, you, you know, this is what I tell my coaching team. We have to lower this bar so far that our clients coming in, our members coming in that are stressed and have so much going on and they're frustrated and like we know how they're coming to us. We need a bar they can trip on. Like we need them to trip over it. Not have to like do anything else, just trip over it. And then we'll give them the next one and the next one. Can and I so say something? Lower that because, bar. Yeah, sure. Because what you just said, translate. I've always had that mentality about the work that I do. It's the barrier to entry into getting help from me should be so low. You can literally fall, stumble onto it. But weirdly, I didn't treat my team that way. Right. Right. And so that's where the disconnect really happened is I, I was like, okay, well, we need to make it really easy for them, but I'm going to make it really, really hard for you to make it easy for them. And that it just, (laughs) honestly, if I would have found you four years ago, before the company I had before this collapsed, we were already at like a $3 million run rate. I just had no idea how to run a company and it, it got too big and it just collapsed on itself. And, um, but I had no systems. So you live and learn, right? Glad you're here, brother. Julie, um, did you want to share? I, I want to close with you. Like, what have you given up? What have you moved on from that you didn't think you could? Yeah. So I, I did, I made it my mission when we built processes to not ever have to log into process street. So I got the team to build out all the processes without me actually having a login. <laughs> that is amazing. Which is so yeah, hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to do, but they own it. They own it. I don't have to be involved at all. So I'm really trying. I hear your voice all the time. Correct the process, not the person. Correct the process, not the person. So I'm always asking, okay, well, is there somewhere in the process where we should have addressed this? And and I don't know. Like, I can't say this should be in the process because I don't actually know what they built. <laughs> so I always have to ask. And yeah, it's it's been really, really good. And I'm still surprised that I haven't felt the need to go in there and meddle. But it's been a really, really good thing that I that I did that because my team has full ownership of the processes and they're way better than if I had been involved in building them. So God, what a great insight. Like I want to, I want to just like translate a little bit more of that for everybody. When you let people, so what, what we're worried about as entrepreneurs is the outcome, right? Julie, it's the outcome. It's like, what is at the end of this process? Mm-hmm. Here's what happens to all entrepreneurs. We treat everything equally important. So we treat the, how you got there just as important as did you get there? And the reality is 
in most cases, the how you got there is not as significant as whether the goal was actually achieved. And so in this case, what we have here is an illustration of a CEO running a business, growing like crazy, succeeding like huge success here, and literally not even paying attention to the process, focusing on outcomes, clear outcomes, coaching success. You can hear there's coaching and then getting leverage results. So even if you don't have a login to the process system, you can do this. Julie, that's super insightful. Thank you for being here. Uh, I just want to thank all four of you. I love these panels. Like I, I every, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I, I end up taking notes every time we're on one of these panels because it's so insightful. Julie, thank you. Lars, amazing. Adi, so awesome to have you on this panel. Megan, of course, I love every time I get to listen to you talk um, and to listen to you speak. So for everybody, they are not, uh, like I said, not public speakers. These are our members. Can we do a quick unmute round of applause for 10 seconds? Yay. Here. Yay. There we go. Thank you. I wanted to let that panel go on and on and on. I can listen to our members all day. There's just something about entrepreneurs, especially these that are willing to give all of it away, willing to share what's really going on, willing to be transparent and vulnerable and real. And that's really how our whole membership is. And if you're an entrepreneur navigating this market and growing a business, you don't have to do it alone. In fact, you shouldn't. Being part of a community is a incredible life-changing choice. We have a community exactly like that on Facebook. It's called the Sharfin Community. And I would love to have you join. If you go to Facebook, just look up my last name, community, and answer a couple questions for my team, we'll get you added, and it's where we put some of our best content. I'll see you in the Sharfin community on Facebook.